You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We welcome you into your Wednesday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Plenty to get to on today's show. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your next order. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Okay, Tim, we got a lot of things to get to today. We're going to do a, a, a cool new segment and we're going to do it every single Wednesday during the football season. We're taking two overreactions that we're going to defend and two that we're going to refute. And then at the end of the show, we're going to get into some basketball recruiting. We really haven't talked a lot of hoops lately. Yeah, haven't had time. There's some stuff to to get to with Benny Williams. And speaking of Benny Williams, he kind of blew up our Twitter too because guess what? He's now a five-star. So we're going to break into if there's too much pressure on this kid. All right, so we start with two overreactions that we're actually going to go out and defend right out of the gate, okay? Because there are a couple of things that I think some people were saying after the loss. And again, we're seeing this on Twitter. We're seeing this on message boards. We're seeing this in articles that it's are being written. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, we're not going to call out names, all right? No name and names here. We're just going to name takes. We're naming takes. But we'll go back and forth. We're each going to spit out two overreactions that actually think we think hold a little bit of weight. So I'll start this off. This team will not win an ACC game. Oof. And I'm going to stand with that one because guess what? All right, I think we can still all agree that those five road games that you've got on your schedule are all still losses. I, I don't know if you've shifted. I don't know how you could possibly shift no. that ideology after seeing that first week. But those five home games, the teams that played all looked decent. You got Georgia Tech, who goes out on the road, beats FSU in Tallahassee with fans in the stands in an unbelievable game. So Georgia Tech is not looking like some gimme layup or or the last team that was projected to be in the ACC preseason poll. It's starting to look more and more like Syracuse now. I think if you re-polled everyone after week one, Syracuse would be the cellar dweller. Yeah, so, maybe Florida State, they, honestly. I saw some yeah. Florida State out there, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's fair to say as well. Unfortunately, um, though, for Syracuse, they're going to have to deal with Georgia Tech to open up the Dome. Then on top of that, Duke hung with Notre Dame in South Bend with fans in the stands. So, I mean, I think it was a two-touchdown game at the end, but yep. the Blue Devils played tight with them for the majority right. of the game. They held them... They were at arm's length for the most part part of that entire game. They they were within striking range for a good amount. Wake Forest played Clemson, and guess what? A lot of people thought that game was going to be like sixty three to seven. They they covered a thirty three point spread, and you may be saying, <laughs> "Oh, well, it's thirty three points," but right. I mean, still, you're you're doing that against a team that was in the national championship game with the best quarterback in the country right now. So. Wake Forest, maybe not a layup either. Again, a lot of these home games we thought were 50-50 balls, and now it's not looking so much. So I think if you're going to go out and say no ACC wins, I think that holds a lot of weight. And then BC and NC State close you out. But those games are in November, and you might be completely checked out by that point. Yeah, I, I will defend. I mean, they'll stumble into one or two wins, I think. But I agree. I mean, Georgia Tech looked a lot. We, we looked at the schedule before the year. We thought Georgia Tech, Duke, Liberty, that's your stretch to win games. 
it's the first two at home, or all three of them are really at home, and that's where you got to capitalize. Well, Georgia Tech, they've got more talent than Syracuse. They've got four stars littered yep. all over that field. Syracuse does not, and they look pretty good. They've already got a win. They've got some confidence under their belt. And honestly, Ty, I mean, Tyrell Richards is huge whenever he comes back. Dakota Davis is huge whenever he comes back. I don't think, based on what we're hearing from Dino saying it's not season-ending, but we expect them back at some point midseason, games three and four, I'm not overly optimistic either of those guys will be back for Syracuse. So it's a shame that that's kind of when you've got some winnable games. And then, like you said, if you start out 0-4 and and then you play Liberty at home, you hopefully will beat Liberty. Although, again, Liberty is not a total rollover. I don't want anyone to just... I mean... I think they'll beat Liberty. They, even. they will beat Liberty, but like Hugh Freeze is a solid coach that under, I mean, you can say what you want about Hugh Freeze, the person, but <laughs> Liberty as a team is, is kind of a joke and in the school, you can disagree with a lot of their policies, but like they will have some talent on the football field. I'm not saying if Syracuse plays like they did in the second half against UNC, I mean, Liberty would hang in that game. It's not unheard of to think of. So that's right. the only reason it's, and I know you're talking mostly ACC here, but I, I think you've got a point. I would say that they'll get to like two ACC wins or one ACC win, but to expect more than that, I think is kind of foolish at this point. Yeah. All right. What is your first takeaway or your first overreaction that you're actually going to defend? All right. My overreaction that I'm going to defend, Tommy DeVito just doesn't have it. We've seen enough from him. Mm. We've been we've been workshopping this take kind of off the mic. We've <laughs> talked about it a little bit on the mic, but he's JD McCoy. And for those that haven't seen Friday Night Lights, I recommend it. Great show. TD McCoy. That's what we have T- to call him. TD McCoy. TD McCoy. It's 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 honestly sad how perfect it is. But I mean, I kind of danced around this take originally, sort of brought it up as a joke. JD McCoy is the young quarterback that comes in in season three, I believe. Matt Saracen is, of course, the sort of veteran quarterback. But our JD Eric M- Dungy of this right, of JD this, McCoy uh, being Tommy DeVito and Matt Saracen being Eric Dungy actually does kind of make a lot of sense when you break it down. So let me just give you it in, in full context now. McCoy was talented. He was groomed from a young age. He was hyped up. Hot shot guy. Hot shot. He's got the private coach. He's, you know, the all-can't-miss prospect. He's the best recruit since the the second coming of Jason Street for him. And DeVito is the best recruit since Donovan McNabb, right? He's got all the tools. But <laughs> I love that you keep <laughs> snowballing this. This is I so mean, good. It's perfect. The more you dive into it, the, the better it sounds. But JD does not turn out to be a good leader. He's not great in games. And honestly, if you want to dig deeper, he throws, he's known for his deep ball. He comes in, replaces Saracen in a game and gets some waves for making some, some long deep passes. A la Tommy DeVito and UNC, the first go around in 2018. So, and then Matt Saracen is Eric Dungy in this scenario. He fights yeah, for the, the job. Yeah, the grinder. Yeah, w- with the upstart kid. He's scrappy. He's smart. He's just a better all-around football player. Less arm talent, but he can run. He's a better leader. I mean, I really think I've hit a gold mine on this take. Yeah, and, and TD I, McCoy. Yeah. Lock I, it in. Lock it, it in. Yeah. Yep. So, maybe the it. take inspired me to overreact a little bit more, but I broke down the film, and, and I am worried about DeVito. So, I, I see that there's... If, if you're of the camp now that DeVito just doesn't have it, I can support that. 
All right, let's go on to our second takes right here that we're going to defend. I'm going to I'm going to say I think the defense looked good, okay? And I know they gave up 31 points, but again, you got to remember 21 of those came in the fourth quarter. Now, I I stand by kind of what I've said all week is that I think there's just not enough enough depth. Um and they're very fatigued at the end of some of these games, but I think the defense overall I'm taking away a positive from game one. And again, they're not going to go up against two guys every week who can be thousand yard runners. They're not going to go up against a quarterback every week who is in going to be in the Heisman conversation. That's just not the reality of what this team's going to face every week. So I'm going to say, yes, the defense actually looked good. Even though they allowed 31 points, I think the, the 10, the 10 through three quarters isn't necessarily indicative of how good, but the 21 in the fourth also isn't indicative of how bad they were. And a lot of those young guys made some plays. I mean, Garrett Williams, I thought, was very good when he was in there. Trill Williams was fantastic. Steve Linton made some plays. Mikel Jones was phenomenal, too, with the interception. And Although he did have the one boneheaded play that he should be suspended for the first half of next yeah. game, but got away with it. But outside of that, I'm going to stand by the defense. I thought they looked pretty good. All right, this is great. I, I can be the Stephen A. Smith to your Max Kellerman here because one of the takes that I'm <laughs> the skip refuting— to the Shannon. Yeah, we, we didn't plan these. People are going to think we scripted this. But one of the takes I'm refuting to spoil our next segment, Syracuse's defense could be really good. I'm against that right now. I think it's a little premature to crown them as going to be some better-than-advertised unit right now. And one of the okay. big reasons I say that— is because there wasn't any tape out there on the 3-3-5 at all. So you have to keep that in mind when UNC's game planning for week one. And also, UNC in the first half shot themselves in the foot. I know Syracuse did as well. But UNC just never really got into the flow of things on offense because their special teams was making so many mistakes. And Howell wasn't quite himself a couple times, making a couple bad passes. I guess one of his interceptions was in the second half. But... I didn't feel like UNC was clicking on all cylinders, and I'm still a little bit worried about the linebacker position going forward. I thought Lee Koba got into bad spots a little bit, watching back the film. Jeff Canton was a little hesitant at times, and then there's some tendencies from guys like Steve Linton to be a little over-aggressive, so, and that's common. I mean, these guys got to learn. I just wouldn't say that there's some good defense right now. I think... I'm optimistic slightly about the unit, and that's fine. Like the four-year plan looks solid. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I think Tony White's going to be good. Three three five's good. I just feel like they were bound. I mean, defense develops more than offense. We know that based on what every football coach will tell you about training camp and preseason and leading up to it. And the defense was ready to go, whereas UNC's offense really wasn't that great until the fourth quarter. And... Honestly, when you go back and watch the fourth quarter film, there's a lot of holes in that Syracuse defense. The tackling still scared me a little. And I think that comes down a lot to fatigue. What I will counter you with is that they looked comfortable in the 3-3-5. For yeah, all the talk of transition, they looked comfortable in it. And I think that's only going to grow. And I think that's a major, major takeaway from all of this. Again, the the end of the game, I'm, I'm taking with a grain of salt because I think they're I just gassed. I, yeah. Like I don't think that was indicative of how bad this defense is, but like I also said, I don't think the 10 points allowed through three quarters against one of the most potent offenses in the conference is indicative of how good they are. It's somewhere in the middle. I think if you played this game 
let's say week eight, Syracuse probably gives up 28 points. And I'm cool with that. I'm yeah. cool with that. It's just that I think the offense is still a little suspect and um, I, I 28 points, I don't think Syracuse would have overcame that. All right, guess what? Built Bar is re-upping the protein bar game. Six new flavors coming to the Built Bar lineup, including, here are the ones that really caught my eye, caramel brownie and cookies and cream. I am really looking forward to that. There's no better way to reward yourself for a workout than with Built Bar because A, they're healthy, B, they taste like a candy bar, and C, you're just getting all these different benefits for your body. And they don't fill you up like they're an entire meal. They're the perfect post-workout snack or just a regular snack. You need something to get you through the day, a little pick-me-up from that working from home. Built Bar is the way to go. And right now, t take a listen to this real quick, all right? Because they are giving away a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Yes, you heard me right. A free cooler with your purchase. You're gonna wanna get on this ASAP. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Remember, this used to be just your first order, but now you will get it off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I've already given you two that I am defending, and you refuted on one of them, and you also defended one. So why don't you start? You give us the one last one that you had that you want to defend. Okay. My last one to defend, Taj Harris is going to finish with 1,000 yards receiving this year. He is ready Ooh. to be the number one guy. So a lot of the reasoning for defending this for me is because Now, are we talking guy... pro-rated 1,000 yards because it, oh, it might be tough point. to do it with, yeah. with 11 games, but... I hadn't even thought of that. All right, let me just but, rephrase okay. it to... Prorated. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll say, like, averaging it out, that he would be just as good as the Steve Ishmael, Tristan Jackson type season. I think Ishmael was actually really good statistically. But Dino, and now, this is year five, the last four years, he has had three guys in the 1,000-yard mark, one in each season... And the only year he didn't was Jamal Custis finished just shy at 900 yards. I think Taj, given that our guy TD McCoy is going to lock in on him, we saw the 15 targets in game one. I almost look at this from like a fantasy football perspective. You know how in fantasy you always want the guys that are going to get a lot of targets, get a lot yeah, of Yeah, you volume. want the QB's best friend. Like the like what we saw with Arizona this past week with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, That's what exactly. you want, yeah. So... To me, Taj, if this if there was a college football fantasy football, he'd be a bargain. Well, there because... is college football fan duel, all right? So uh, I'm, okay. I may have disclosed that to you, and I may have just led you down a dark path there. Yeah, but yeah. There, maybe I'll be better on exist. Taj. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I, I think he would be perfect because, honestly, I think Syracuse is going to be behind in a lot of games too, and then they're going to be looking to throw, and DeVito's going to be looking to throw to Taj because – that's his first read, most plays. And while I did like Anthony Quilly and I like Nikeem, I thought he looked a little bit better than he did last season. I still think Taj is a cut above the rest of the receiving core, and it's not a very deep receiving core. So if he can stay healthy, I really see him having a great statistical season. And I think that's more just a reflection of the situation he's in and that Dino's offense often produces a 1,000-yard receiver. That's fair. I just... I'm worried that there's going to be some sort of shift and they're going to tell Tommy and who knows, 
Maybe someone saw your thread, and I say this like half-jokingly, but also half-seriously, and I'm sure these coaches see things way before you and I yeah, get our I Twitter fingers so. <laughs> out. Yeah, but they may shift it and say, listen, Tommy, you, you got to look off more than one guy. Like, yeah. we're not a one-read offense here. We, we've got more, and we've seen more out of you in particular to – to, to know that that is not the way that you roll, but I, I I'll back you up in this regard. He's so good at the yards after catch, yeah, that maybe he can get to that prorated a thousand yards uh, of a season here in 2020. So that that's the one thing I don't think it'll be a Devito led thousand yards. I think yeah. it'll be a a Taj heavy thousand yards if we do if we do see something like that. I think the okay, counter to... too is is the chemistry has been off for them since right. the get go. Yeah. So, yeah, no, absolutely that that as well, and, and we've seen the frustrations already start to boil. All right, so my first take that I want to refute is that Dino's system has been figured out, and the offense cannot be saved. I I find that very ludicrous right now. Yeah, especially after one game because you are playing against a, a pretty good. UNC defense. I mean, those linebackers were flying everywhere, left and right. I believe Chaz Surratt was an All ACC linebacker yep. for, uh, or all, or was it the the conference, the weekly awards or whatever they are. So he's he's that, and he's just a, a fantastic linebacker in general. He's got All American potential, actually. He could be um, defensive NFL player draft of the year hopefuls. in the conference yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, and that's even with all of the the Clemson monsters that they've got down exactly. in Death Valley too. So. I don't think that's it. I think that the offense is broken right now, but it's like a flat tire. You you can you can fix a flat tire. You can patch that puppy up, and you can get this thing humming again. We've seen it work. I don't think this is broken, and I'm interested to see because it felt like at times UNC was going faster than Syracuse on Saturday, and I want to see them get back to being the fast offense, and it feels like every single year, We've seen this offense get a little slower and slower and slower. And I want to see it get back to the fast, the up-tempo, because I think you've got the personnel, and if you start to wear down some of these teams, maybe you can bust off a big play that could be the difference in the game. But I do not think that the offense is beyond saving. I think that there is still a salvation of hope. I just want to see the execution, because... There's a number of times where, again, and you pointed this out in your film reviews too, yeah. where the the one read, well, the second read can get you those first downs too. The second read can chunk off something on a second and long or second and medium and get you close and give you third and manageables. The offensive line, maybe they can get a little bit better too as the season progresses, as everyone starts to get a little healthier as well. So I'm going to say this offense can still be saved. And Dino, his system is not quote-unquote figured out yeah i agree with you wholeheartedly on that one i think you brought up a good point there with the film when you watch back the film it's it makes you more frustrated because uh you see that the plays are out there but that also means that it's fixable right like devito can make some plays when there is a clean pocket he was not capitalizing he was inaccurate at times you have the sherrod the sherrod johnson drop you had Queeley mm-hmm. wide open for a play. I mean, there were definitely plays and touchdowns out there for Syracuse. The other thing I would say is they could get a lot more creative in the play calling, I think, especially on first down. It just feels like they're not getting into their rhythm and being able to go fast 
because they're just running it into the middle and then it just stalls the drive and then they get a third and long and teams can blitz and then DeVito's either throwing it out of bounds or taking a sack or running out of bounds or something. And we've seen that so many times now. So, all right, my last one that I'm going to refute because remember uh, Syracuse's defense could be really good was also on my list. But right, mm-hmm. um, the last one I'm going to refute I didn't see this a ton, but it was out there that people were just like, our running backs stink, and they're, you know, the loss of Adams and Jarvion Howard is huge to this team. I've kind of discussed this a little bit, but to me, the running backs are fine. I thought Jordan yeah. and Pierre looked fine. They just didn't have it any It was goals. a product of the offensive line. Exactly. And it goes back to, well, maybe let's not run it, as frequently as we are on first down, because teams are clearly picking up on that. Maybe let's get a little more creative. I loved when they did Jawar Jordan in that like arena football style play where he started yeah. about 10 yards. No, that was be- cool. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, remember when they upset Virginia Tech in Dino's first year, there was that, I think it was Dante Strickland threw a pass and Dino does yeah. have some trick plays in there. I'm not saying he has to just go crazy and like run the option here or something, but I wouldn't I, I would like to see them get more creative, more screens, more just getting Jawar Jordan out in space, more trick plays, more reverses, whatever you have to do to deviate from what is out there. And the counter to that, which is a valid one, is with limited camp, the playbook is small right now. And I, I get that to an extent, but let's take some chances, especially if we get down big against Pittsburgh, which I think both you and I think will happen. I want to at least pick up some momentum on offense in that game. If it's in the second half and it's out of reach, I wouldn't, I mean, I I guess you don't want to show your hand and like tip your good stuff to whoever's reviewing the film, which would be Georgia tech the following week. But I mean, let's, let's try some different things and just experiment a little bit if we're down because it's not working right now. That's, that's fair. And and again, we've gone over this time and time again, that running back is the plug and play position. And I really don't think there's that big of a, a skill drop off between someone like Jarvion Howard and Abdul Adams to going to Markenzie Pierre and Jawar Jordan. I, I think that there is uh, the drop off is not as extreme as many people think it is, especially right. given what position it is at. All right, the last take I am going to refute, and I saw this a lot, but this season has an asterisk, and we weren't going to be good anyway, so the season does not matter. First oh, of all, I'm one. seeing this from a lot of the people that are also they were on Twitter waving their pom-poms that this team was going to go 6 and 5, 7 and 4 or, or maybe dare I say 8 and 3. Oh gosh. No, th- <laughs> this team this team was never going to do that. And to say the season doesn't matter is is just ludicrous because this season although it's weird, although it's wonky, although you're playing 10 conference games, Tanking only takes you one step further away from the future than towards it in the NCAA. This isn't the NBA or the NFL and all of a sudden, oh, well, you get higher, you're higher in the recruiting waiver claims now. No, if you're bad, recruits view you as bad. So yes, the season does matter. It always matters in the in the game of recruiting. The the rich get richer in the NCAA, and you got to kind of claw your way back up and get to the middle class right now if you want to continue to be a player 
in the ACC and, and in college football in general and get back into the rankings and be talked about in the national spot. Like getting, I mean, this is a program that's never had a college game day. I think it's now what one of four or one of five schools in the Power Five that can yeah, say thanks, that. Thanks, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, but like that's one of the things where this season does matter. You can't just say it doesn't. You can't throw in the towel and say it doesn't matter because it does. Every season matters in college football and in college basketball and in college athletics in general. This is not like pro sports where you reward tanking. The NCAA is so anti that model. So. I think you have to you have to take that into consideration this year. This season absolutely does matter when you talk about the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that's a good one. Totally agree. I mean, once we go back and look at Dino Babers' record in however many years, for, yeah, and from guess when what? The season matters for Dino Babers. And <laughs> oh his yeah, job security. it does. Like, let's yeah. be honest, it does. I yeah. know he signed some hefty deal that we will maybe never know the the details of, but this very well could determine whether or not he's the head coach of Syracuse football in 2021, 2022, because the record's not pretty right now. Yeah, I mean, he's not on the hot seat. We're not saying that, but he could be by the end of the year if they I keep think playing right like now, they did. It, right now, his seat is, is like the fall, all right? You're not turning the seat warmers on yet, Ooh, but you I know like it's that. around the corner. Getting a that, little chilly. You yeah. get, you're getting in the car. You, you're not turning on the seat heaters yet. But yeah. you know that uh, maybe in a week, maybe in two weeks, you might you're gonna you're gonna have to turn them on. Right. No, I agree. I mean, this season still counts. I don't like that take at all. It's it's still embarrassing, and people are gonna still. I don't like when people say, "Oh my gosh, what was that that Syracuse did on Saturday?" I mean, that still hurts, regardless of a, if this is a weird season or not. I mean, it's definitely a unique season. Like Virginia Tech isn't starting games till October. I get all that. But Syracuse is still out there, and they're putting out a product every Saturday, and it's still going to get out into the internet and, like you said, to the recruits' minds as well. Right. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into a little bit of hoops. We haven't had a lot of hoops talk in quite some time. Benny Williams, the new five-star, and he's just climbing up these recruiting boards. So we will talk about him, and is this hype fair for the kid out of Maryland? We will get to that next. So the risers and fallers, we're seeing a lot of movement in these rivals rankings, and the most notable is that Benny Williams up 29 spots. He's now the number 22 prospect in this class of 2021, and that, my friends, makes him a five-star prospect. And so rivals, and interestingly enough, and this is where things get really, really kind of dicey. I'm about to use a word we don't like to use here, Tim. I'm oh, about no. to use one. So one of the the rivals national analysts, Corey Evans, who does fantastic work for them, so fantastic, in fact, that he no longer works for rivals. He actually yeah. <laughs> just got hired away to be a, what is it, a scouting analyst or yeah, a, scouting. some sort of scout yeah. with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So this guy knows what he's talking about when he's talking ball. And this is a quote that he said. He said, Benny has the chance to go down as one of the best that has played for the Orange this century he said that earlier this year so i'm about to use the c word tim yeah. that includes i think Carmelo he's used Anthony. the c word before Corey has he Evans. used the c yeah. word he said yeah. he could be the best since carmelo or something and i'm paraphrasing a little but essentially that for sure i think he said that yeah. at one point or written it so 
Are these expectations fair? Are they right? Are what, what does this say about the Syracuse class? And there's one main takeaway for me as someone who has noticed the recruiting trends lately for this Orange team. But Jim Beheim has done a fantastic job of scouting some of this talent early, almost <laughs> to, in a sense, almost to his detriment in the class of 2022. Like you right. look at a guy like Donovan Klingon, who he eyeballed way before during this process. And then all of a sudden Syracuse is that first one to bite and the offers just keep pouring in for this kid. And so much so that I don't know necessarily if he is going to go to Syracuse just because he is so highly sought after. So I think he's done a fantastic job lately. And it's not just Bayheim; It's the entire coaching staff, entire recruiting trail. But they've done a great job lately of identifying talent early and kind of getting ahead of the game. And I think Benny Williams is just another example of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the hype's a little too much. I mean, I'm almost hesitant. I was almost hesitant to put out that tweet the other day saying that. Like, I'm cool. Okay, you want to bump him up 22 spots? Sure, go ahead. Right. I don't care. You want to make him a five-star, slap another star on there? Cool, go ahead. McDonald's All-American consideration? Oh, that'd be great. Absolutely, (laughs) sure. But I think it's when you get into the external stuff of what he is supposed to be at Syracuse. Exactly. Is he, yeah. Like, if you are putting the savior label on him, I'm not ready to go that far quite yet. Right. I mean, these high school kids nowadays, it's like they're already in college. Dior Johnson's got tons of thousands of followers on all his social platforms. People are comparing him to NBA players. He's playing, he's practicing with NBA players. I mean, it's like a different world with social media out there now that it seems like it's very easy to just go out and, I mean, I go to YouTube right now, Benny Williams highlights and a lot of different links will pop up at me. I could probably read an article about his last game and where he played poorly and where he played right and what exactly happened in that game, which is almost scary. It's it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to shoulder. I I would say, I mean, we've seen it go wrong. Jalen Carey is a recent example of that where he wasn't quite 22. I mean, this is just rival stuff that's putting him at 22. So Carey was right in that ballpark of a fringe McDonald's all Maybe not fringe McDonald's. A little outside McDonald's All-American, I'd say, for Carey. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he splashed early on in his career at UConn, and it just didn't click. And, you know, you think of Tommy DeVito. Like, that, there's a lot of hype there not to just keep you know, beating that dead horse. Is there a basketball Friday Night Lights? Are we going to have to compare <laughs> Benny to someone now? One Tree Hill? Is is there a connection there? <laughs> yeah. I, I I haven't watched enough of that I don't that watch show, One Tree Hill, know. but yeah. yeah I'm, I'm well, sure, yeah. No, I, I don't think it's out there. I'll High School Musical? Is is he about to Zach Efron us, oh, Tim? Gosh, is he about no. to go join join the musical? Talk is he about, about to go join like auto-tunes watch. or something? Join the band? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I do think... I'm laughing now. I do think Benny Williams is is going to be very good. I, I like his tape a lot. I understand why he's rising. I'm excited to see that he is rising because there is some part of you that says, hey, like, this is great. It's credible people, like you said, that are saying this. And that means that Syracuse may have found something that's maybe a little better than we even thought it was, which we thought it was really good when he committed. So yeah. props to them for being on him. And recruiting for basketball, it's in a great place. I mean, the, uh, absolutely, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw some people joking. I forget the name of the guy who tweeted at us, quote tweeted and said, "Jim Beheim can't recruit." They say, or you know that that funny <laughs> thing. He put it in all caps. And 
I love it. I mean, Beheim's still kicking. Like you said, he's still got a keen eye for it. And he's really had a lot of wins, and I expect some more wins to be on the way. So I'm excited about where recruiting's at. But yeah, I mean, Benny can be good. He also can be overhyped at the same time. Both of those can be happening right now, and I think that's the case. Yeah, and again, we, we've talked about this too with, with the football players. Where are these jumps coming from? Because I, I know there are some limited events that, that have been taking place during this off season right now with basketball, but you're not getting the full AAU circuit out there. So yeah. I'm wondering where the, where these jumps are coming from. And again, maybe it's perfectly valid. I just don't know the answer to it. Where are these jumps coming from? How can you evaluate someone and say, yep, boom, let's move them up 29 spots based off of us just rerunning through the tape? Right. I'd love to know. If someone knows, please tweet at us. I'd love to know. But The sad thing it, is it, a lot of it, I think, is, and, and we see this in football. I mean, you go look at Syracuse's 2021 football class. Deuce Chestnut has now been demoted to a three-star. A lot of it is, yeah. like, what, oh, what you did committed do? with this team, so, okay, you're going to go down because cause Syracuse isn't quite a big brand name. But if you went to Kentucky, or I'm thinking basketball still, if you went to Notre Dame, if you went to Clemson, you'd probably actually go the other way. So I think that happens a lot, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, stupid. Especially with top 50 prospects, too. Yeah. I I don't understand that at all. All right, that's going to do it for us on this Wednesday edition of the show. Tomorrow, we're going to get into... We're going to start previewing pits, Tim, because that game yeah. is right around the corner. I'm excited for it. Again, big point spread this week. So Syracuse is going to have their work cut out for them in Pittsburgh, back-to-back road games to start the year. So we will dive into a little bit of Pitt and any other news that may come across the docket between now and Thursday. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.